When you ask people to pinpoint the most important aspect of their lives, many of us, a great many of us, will give the same answer, family. So in a very real way, one of the most valuable gifts we could ever give is the gift of family in the form of foster care or adoption. There's a distinct group of people doing exactly this, but what's surprising is how many of this group say that family isn't actually the most important thing in their lives. Their faith is. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's fantastic to be here. I'm on the phone with James Standish from uh, the United States, from uh, on the East Coast there, the, in the Washington, D.C. sort of area. And James, thanks so much for being part of Signs of the Times Radio today. It's great to be interviewed, Kent, and it's great to chat with you. Oh, that, that's excellent. Now, James, I understand that right now you're very much head over heels in love with a new child who is coming to your family, your your son. Please uh, tell us about it. Tell us how it all happened. Well, sure. And uh, we have two daughters. The oldest is just turned 15 and our youngest daughter is 12. And this uh, last July, we added a third child to our family. His name is Bo Yi. He is from uh, Langzhou in China originally, and he is five years old. And and we filled out all the paperwork, and man, oh man, here I am. I'm a dad of three kids now, so it's it's a big change. People often ask me, so does he speak English? And the answer to that is, well, no. <laughs> he, he grew up for five years in China. He speaks Mandarin. Obviously, now he's been with us uh, a few months. He's just integrated into our family beautifully, and he is a absolutely delightful child, and has brought a lot of joy into our family. We just love him. Yeah. Oh, that's that is is absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, look, I remember when you you lived here in Australia. You were working here, a colleague of mine, for a while, and you were looking into adoption as an option for your family. What what was the? I mean, you know, you you've already got two great kids, two incredible daughters. What was the the motivation to to go ahead for you and and to adopt a third child? Well, Ken, it goes back to actually before I was married. I, when I was uh, 26, I just finished my MBA, and my dad was working in Singapore at the time for ADRA. And ADRA had development projects in Vietnam, and he invited me to come and, and see him. And we went traveling to Vietnam together. And one of the projects that ADRA had in Vietnam was a nutrition program at uh, orphanages. So right. I had, I was 26, I was a young guy, I couldn't care less about children, wasn't my scene at all, walked into this uh, orphanage, and there were the most beautiful kids who all of a sudden were looking to me for attention. I wasn't used to that. You know, it, it just wasn't, wasn't on my radar screen <laughs> at all. I'm the youngest child in my family, so I never grew up around, you know, kids looking up to me or anything like that. Yeah. And it was just, it, it just really struck me. Here are these beautiful kids, right? And they just, they, they want adult attention. And so it was, it was later on that summer, and I'm sorry I'm using a, a northern 
you know, summer seasons, but yep. uh, it's just easy, easier that way. <laughs> yep. I actually went down to New Zealand where it was winter, of course, yep. and my wife and I became engaged. And when we got married, uh, we talked about children and both of us agreed that, you know, maybe we should adopt. We both have cousins who are adopted. Uh, she has two cousins who are adopted. I had three cousins who are adopted. And so, and, and, and I sort of talked about this experience that I had in Vietnam, and I just seen these beautiful kids. So time went on, and, you know, one thing led to another, as, as can sometimes happen. And by the time <laughs> that we were ready to have children, adopting wasn't an option for us because we were Australian citizens living in the United States, so we couldn't adopt in the United States because we weren't American citizens. We couldn't adopt in Australia because we were living in the United States. And besides, it's a nice thing, uh, you know, if you can, to have children, if, if that's a possibility. So we prayed about it, and we, we said, look, we'll, we'll see. If it happens, it happens. I was a relatively old father. I was 36 for my first child, which is, you know, older than most people. Yeah. And so anyway, one thing led to another, and, and bam, we, we, were, we were pregnant in no time flat, and our first child uh, was born. Uh, just amazing experience, a whole story within itself. She was born very premature. And so it was quite a traumatic beginning to life. And, and we're just so proud of, of, of the person she's become. And then three years later, we had a second child. We felt like we, we still had this sort of idea or this, this dream, like there are kids out there, they need a family, maybe we'll, we'll add to our family. And as you mentioned, a few years back, we moved back to Australia because both my wife and, uh, and I are dual citizens, we're US and Australian citizens. And we worked there for five years. And one of the things we thought was, now's the time if we're going to adopt, because I'm, uh, in, I've, I turned 50, and it's like a point at which you think, well, you know, uh, if I wait too much longer, it's, uh, you know, I can't really have the, mm. the energy and everything else. Yeah, it's, so it, it's, it's we, now or never. It's now or never. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we, we, we started looking at it in the Australian context, and we actually went to... A whole, we went through the whole training thing, and uh, there's a whole procedure in New South Wales that you can go through. But what we were told there was, A, if we wanted to adopt domestically, it was almost impossible for us. What we could do is long-term fostering, which, I, which you know, we're, we're 100% in favor of that. That's great. But we knew that we might move internationally because we had you know, previously. And once you start doing you know, fostering, long-term fostering, you can't take kids overseas typically. And, and, and so... It just gets very, very complicated for, for a family like ours. And then when we looked at international adoption, we were told that it could take up to seven years to adopt. Oh, and, wow. You know, yeah, Australia makes it very, very hard. They've really made it very difficult for families like like uh, like mine, essentially, to, to give children a permanent home and a mom and a dad and all the things that go into it. So actually, one of the things that, that, that fed into our decision to move back to the United States, it wasn't the only thing, but one of the things that, that fed into it was my wife and I said, well, you know, what do we, what do we want to do? I, I turned 50. She was close to that. What's our plan for the remainder of our life? Do we, what are the things that we wanted to do that we haven't done? All those sorts of things, you know, not, not, not to be dramatic about it, not a bucket list or anything morbid like that, but just simply what's our plan? And, mm -hmm. and so we decided to move back here. And as soon as we got here, we started working with an adoption agency. We said, we don't care what gender, we don't care what race, we don't care what nationality, you know, just uh, we, we have space in our hearts and our, our family for another child. And they said, basically, for our profile, our age, et cetera, China's the place to go. 
initially I assumed it was going to be a girl because you always hear about Chinese girls. But apparently everyone has heard that and Americans at least have this idea that they're going to adopt a Chinese girl. So Chinese girls are uh, sort of more under more demand. I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and so we, we uh, so they said, you think, think about a boy. And so obviously we did. Because we already have two children, one of the things that I wanted was the opportunity to host the child beforehand yeah. to, to just see how our kids handled it, how whether, whether the child who we brought over, you know, would want to be our child, right? I mean, yeah, these, sure. these are complicated. <laughs> You're doing something complicated here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we were fortunate in this, that China had a program that we could bring over a, a, a child that we were matched with. Uh, for a couple weeks in the summer and just come and stay with us. Obviously, you have to go through all the security checks and the background checks and meet with a social worker and criminal background checks, all that stuff to make sure that things are safe, which we're 100%. even have to have the fire marshal come around to your house to make sure that you've got your fire stuff, your fire alarms all there. Wow. I mean, we've been vetted 150 ways. You have to provide financial records. I mean, everything, right? So uh, we're matched with this this this, this little boy, the adoption agency called us and said, look, we have a little girl whose family who was going to host her this summer uh, have pulled out. I, I, I don't know why they pulled out, but this, sometimes this can happen, I suppose. And would you host Would you host her? And so we well, went as, from hosting as, one as, child. As well. Yes, as well. So, so we went from hosting one child to hosting two children. And, you know, I, I, maybe I'll just, I'll just tell you this. It's just a little vignette, but I, I, I really believe that God was working in this because it's quite a lot. Just to be very blunt, it's quite expensive bringing children over in this way. And so, you know, we, we, we were at the post box and my wife said, are you sure we want to do two kids? You know, this is, this is double the cost, obviously. Yeah. And we prayed about it and we said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. We put the letter in the post box and we were just walking up and my wife said, how are we going to manage with these kids? We don't have car seats anymore. We don't have, they only come with one set of clothes. You got to get clothes. You got to get car seats. You got to get, we have no kids toys, not, not for that age anymore. And we were literally having this conversation, Ken. We turned the corner. Okay. There's this family having a garage sale. It's a quite a, quite a nice neighborhood. What do you know? We went up there and said, it had a lot of kids stuff. They said, yeah, we have a little boy and we have a little girl. No way. And we're give, getting rid of all this stuff. And I literally had two carloads of stuff by the time I was finished there. For a hundred bucks, I had everything I needed for those kids. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. And, 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 people, and I can hear that now you just retelling the story is, is bringing up a, a lot of emotion for you, just, just remembering that. You know, Ken... Some people don't believe this God, right? Some people don't believe in providence. They don't believe anyone cares for anything. They think it's a cold universe where, where, where people are just thrown out there and, and there's no, no one who cares. I'm just telling you, you can believe what you want. I cannot believe that after just having prayed about it together that we come across that. I, I, it's just incredible. The perfect thing. I mean, we're still using stuff from that garage sale because we, we have enough clothes for for our son for, for a long for a long time. So, but, but the story isn't a fairy tale. It gets more complicated. So let me, yeah. let me keep on going. Sure. So at the end, end of the summer, uh, the kids uh, had to go home to China, back to the orphanage, which of course was very hard for, for them and much harder for, for us, really. Yeah. Uh, so I, we had a family meeting. I asked my girls, well, what should we do? Uh, we can adopt. Which, which child should we adopt? 
while while the kids were here, we also had people come and visit and meet the little girl because you know the families who might adopt her and so forth. And by the end of her time here, nobody nobody had stepped up to the plate. Essentially, nobody had had decided to adopt her. So we had a family meeting and we went back and forth. And my girl said, "Dad, we've got to adopt them both." Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, whoa. I mean, uh, as you know, Kent, I like nice cars. I did not envisage myself driving a minivan for the rest of my life <laughs> and paying for, you know, in the U.S. college is expensive, paying for college for four kids. And, you know, it, you start sort of thinking it through, private school fees, holy cow, I mean, how are we going to do this? And just the cost of the adoption is like a second mortgage, right? Yeah. So we prayed about it again and we said, look, it's a family, we said, we're going to adopt both of these beautiful kids. They're just absolutely wonderful. We're going to adopt them both. So we went on vacation and, you know, don't, don't hate me for this, but we went to Sardinia, which is you wow. know, an island in the Mediterranean. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a little bit of an indulgent vacation, but I, I got good deals. Don't worry, I didn't spend too much. <laughs> and so we went to Sardinia and we went to the beach one day when we were there. They have really nice beaches uh, in Sardinia. It's a beautiful place. There was a little Wi-Fi hotspot by a cafe, so we just pulled up our Wi-Fi. And what do you know? We got an email from the adoption agency that said, China's changed their rules. You can no longer adopt both children. You can only adopt one. And, and we're just like, come on, that can't be right, right? Just like a month ago, they said we could adopt both in the interim. We put in the paperwork, and now we can only adopt one. Well, well, but it was a change, and this was on all the adoption forums and so forth. The Chinese government just changed their rules. So then we were in this painful process of, well, which child do we adopt? Oh, my goodness, that would have been heartbreaking. <laughs> We, it was it was it was gut wrenching to be honest, and yeah. and and, it's, uh, and sleepless nights because it's it's a big deal. You you're really making a decision for a child's a future in a, in a in a very profound way, right? Oh I mean, yeah, it's it's between being in an orphanage in in a a well run orphanage. I'm not I'm not bagging out the orphanage or anything like that. The people who work there seem to be very kind and nice and and, and gentle and and loving and all that. But it's between living in an orphanage, being one of a, a whole group of, of children, and, and having a mom and dad and having a world of opportunities, right? Yeah. So anyway, one thing led to another, and we, did, we, we kind of did an analysis of it all. And one of the things we, we realized was that, that the little girl would have a better chance of being adopted. We, we'd fallen in love with both kids. It was very tough. But yeah, in yeah. the end, we, we decided to, to, to adopt a little boy. Do you know what, and, and, what happened to the little girl? Has has some has she found a family now? Well, this is this is a story. I, I felt very guilty about it, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, because would. you know whatever you do, you you feel like it took on an obligation, and uh, you're failing, right? You failed the mm. little kid who put her trust in you. But when I got back, I made a little uh, video of her time with us, and the the adoption agency kept on working with families, and and guess what? A beautiful family. I mean, a really beautiful family. Catholic family from Ohio were interested in adopting, contacted me, and we spent a lot of time going back and forth, and they decided to adopt her. Oh, fantastic. We both we started at different times and uh, with, the, with the paperwork, but our schedule for pickup of our, of our children was exactly the same time. So their family and our family we're all in Langzhou, China, which is a northwestern city in China, mm. at exactly the same time. We met in China, and we were able to see the little girl. We were able; to, they were able to see us, and they were, the two children were able to interact because they were in the same orphanage, so they knew each other very well. 
We went to Guangzhou where you finalized the American paperwork. We were there together. And this last summer, uh, we took a road trip out to Chicago from from Washington, D.C., and we were able to stop in uh, Columbus, Ohio, where they live, and the kids were able to to see each other. So we, we stayed in contact. We've become friends with the family. Uh-huh. We hope that the kids will be able to, to be in contact for the rest of their lives. And every time I see a picture of, of that little girl just living a fabulous life out in uh, in Ohio with with these art classes and ballet classes and this and that and the other, all the things that a you know a little girl could ever possibly hope for, it just it just makes me feel so happy. Wow, that that is r- really fantastic, James. And you, you, <laughs> you say something really interesting in in your article that when you were there in China and you you say it's it's the happiest place on earth, you know, because it certainly was for for you and your family. When when you're there, sort of finalizing the the adoption and everything, you said there are a number of other families there who who were there doing the same thing as you were and you found that a, a lot of them had christian backgrounds of of various flavors i mean sometimes you hear this expression you know the the christian adoption movement or the evangelical adoption movement what what is going on with that like why are, are christians and, and is it american christians in particular like why are they so involved in this and so interested Every single family we got to know, and we got to know quite a few families uh, during this process, every single one of them were Christians. Now, some of them were evangelicals, some of them were Catholics, some of them were mainline Protestants. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an Adventist myself, Seventh-day Adventist. So we're all sort of coming from different traditions within the general Christian community. But this is the thing that struck me, and that is every single one of the families that I met were serious about their faith. It wasn't like it wasn't a joke, right? You could just like there's there's a lot of people who are sort of cultural Christians. These people, every single one that I got into a conversation, like one family we went out to dinner with, and they said, you know, do you mind if we if we say uh, sort of a grace over the food? And they were, they were they were a Catholic family from Massachusetts. So the father is a is an engineer at Google up there. And like I said, every single one of the families and. And that sort of begs the question, and some cynics have said, look at these Christians, they're out there, this is their idea of how to <laughs> how to convert people, they're going to adopt the world, and in the end, that's, a, that's their church growth model. I got to tell you, if you're looking for a church growth model, that is the most inefficient, most expensive, <laughs> expensive <laughs> model you could possibly imagine. That is not why people are doing this. I can tell you from the people I've met and I can tell you from my own experience. Mm. So it's so, a very yeah. It's so, a very simple thing. So, simple so, thing. so why are they? Sorry. Why are they? Why are they then? If, yeah. if if that's not the reason, if it's not about evangelizing the world, what what is the reason? Look, it's a very simple thing. I can tell you from our family and talking to other families, one, we knew we had a loving family, right? Like we got a good thing going. It's not a perfect family. We get upset with each other. We have our ups and downs. We, you know, everything that goes on in a regular family we've got. But I'll tell you, love is the core. And we said, we've got something so good, we can share it. So we have love that we can share. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, we are so materially blessed, Ken. I mean, most of us who live in Australia, the United States, we don't feel rich, right? We don't feel wealthy. We don't feel, you know, we, we look at sort of people who are much richer than us and say, they're rich and we're just average. By world standards, Ken, you and I have traveled a bit. I've been to, in, you know, all over Asia. I grew up in Asia, been through the Pacific, et cetera, to, through Africa and so forth. I can just tell you, by world standards, we are all living in that top, 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 little percent of the mm, world right mm, yeah we, we have so much so much opportunity so much material blessing 
And if we don't share that, right, it's a hollowness in our lives. I, I, we wanted to share. Yeah. And you could say, well, you know, that's because you're, you're trying to, you know, I, I, I've read this article uh, subsequent, actually, when I was, I was preparing the, an article for Science Magazine. I hadn't actually read much about this beforehand. Yeah. Uh, these, these, cynic, these cynics and, oh, you're trying to earn your way to heaven. I can just tell you, it's not that we're trying to earn our way to heaven. And as I said to my kids before we decided to do the adoption, I said, you're not bad people if you say this just isn't going to work for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, in our family, there's a million ways to help people. There's a million things you can do. And uh, and my children sort of responded to me of like like I was uh, sort of out of touch. Like, of course we want to do this, Dad. We just want to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I've, I've noticed this in, in our world generally, and I've even fallen victim to this myself. You see somebody who's doing something that's, that's really, it really kind of warms your heart, mm, but somehow mm. it makes you feel also a little bit uncomfortable. And so it's, it's yeah. a temptation to sort of impugn their motives, right? Yeah. Or they're just doing that or what they're doing, that doesn't change the world. It's just like one kid, how's that going to change this, the problems of the world? We've got 7 billion people and they adopted one kid, big deal. And, 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 and in a way, that, that's correct, right? Like, I understand our goal wasn't to, to sort of make some grand social statement or whatever. Our goal was just to give one kid a better life. We were able to give two kids a better life. And by so doing it, you know, our lives are so much richer and better. This little guy has come into our lives, and I can't tell you just what a joy he is. Just a mm. beautiful, beautiful kid. Wow, that's incredible. And and I believe, James, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a number of people who have chosen to adopt have actually said to adoption agencies, we understand that the kids who are in most need of, of a family and who are most difficult to place in, in adoptive families are children with, with special needs, you know, kids with, with disabilities of some kind. And they're actually deliberately asking, you know, for those kids to be placed with their family. I mean, wow. I mean, that's a to me, that's just taking it to, to the next level. Have, have you seen that? Have you, you come across that? Yes, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And without getting into any great detail about ups and downs or ins and outs, the families who we were traveling with, and et cetera, their children do have uh, some special needs. And, and, and there you have it, you know, beautiful, wonderful, amazing kids who are just doing beautifully with their, with their adopted families. In fact, I, I think, well, all, all the kids who were associated with the group that I was with, uh, you know, who we got to know well, the kids had something or another, right? Without yeah. getting into detail of it. Sure. And so what? You know? oh, well, I, I don't know, because for, for me, James, it's just, for me, it's really confronting because on, on the one hand, we have people talking about genetic engineering and designer babies and, you know, wow, imagine if you could make your own baby and he would be, he or she would be, you know, tall and intelligent and <laughs> um, and, and incredibly successful. You know, like we, we, you we, mean we, just like you and me, right? Well, that's right. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but then on the other hand, we, we have families saying, no, we, we don't want to design a baby and to spend our, you know, our six figure sums on that we, we would rather you know spend our money on getting a child from a, a disadvantaged background in a difficult country who has special needs it, to me it just seems like polar opposites way of way of thinking and it's there's just something transcendent about it from from my point of yeah. view i guess yeah and and i, I just want to give a perspective because I, I assume that many of your listeners are going to be uh, you know from australia um 
and we have we have a friend back in Australia who who's done exactly the same uh, thing, and in some ways, it's much more difficult than us because their their, their child has some cognitive issues. Yeah. A beautiful child, and and every time I saw her with that child, I it was just like it's you don't want to do something on a whim or on a feeling because having a child isn't just a, an emotional thing. It's it's a commitment, and love is a decision, mm, and we understand mm. all that stuff. Oh yeah, but I can tell you, there's something that's Spoke to me in a very profound way, seeing her with her child and just the love, unconditional love, and, and and to see that that child just bloom, right? Mm. To just blossom, and it's just an amazing thing. And and I I also want to just clarify one thing: just because long term uh, fostering wasn't for us because of our unique family situation, I hope that there are listeners who think about it uh, in the Australian context because there are our foster. Roles in Australia have just exploded because of oh, all yeah. the social problems that we have and, and drinking and drugs and all the other stuff yeah, that goes there's, on. There, there, um, there's a huge need for foster families in, in a lot of places in, in Australia, yeah. I understand, but particularly for not the you know the cute little kids, but um, the older kids are particularly difficult to place. So, yeah, they, there is totally a, the, a need there, yeah. That's exactly right. And, and I guess what I want to s- encourage your listeners are – even if you're an old guy like me, I'm 53 now, Can't I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with your life, right? What's, what's your legacy? What's your plan? What, what's special? What, what can you give? And if you can give a child a home, yeah. it's a big deal. It really is, yeah. It really is. It, it's it's absolutely life changing for, for for your family and and for that child. Now look, it look, is, and it, it's, yeah. it's it's not easy. And I'm not going to lie to you. Oh. I'm not going to uh, gloss over stuff. It takes a commitment. It, it takes, uh, you know, it's a lifetime of commitment, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Uh, but I can, I, I can just tell you from my, at least from from my personal experience, and it's not just mine because I. The other adoptive families who went through this with us are, are all, we're writing back and forth and everyone is just like, just amazed at how this is just, this experience has obviously enriched the, 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 the child's life and, and, but more than that has just, it's changed the whole family, it, mm-hmm. you know, in a positive, good, healthy way. The, 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 the thing you can only do when you take what you have and you give it away, right? Oh, yeah, Love is yeah. the only thing that when we give it away, we it, it grows, right? We mm-hmm. can divide it up, and, and it, it, it give, the more you give, the the, the more there is. And uh, this is a, this is a, a, a just a beautiful thing. And my wife and I, we don't regret it even an ounce. My girls just love their little brother. Mm. And and I'll just give you a little vignette. Yesterday, uh, my son and I went to vi- pick up my girls who had to stay late at school because they were in a musical program thing. And he saw his big sisters and just went running and leapt into their arms. And it's just magic, man. Wow. That's just, wow. Yeah. Huh? What, what, what an absolutely beautiful thing to, to see. Now, we, we are pretty much out of time, James. But just before we go, I just wanted to, you to give us just a, a quick outline. What's, what's planned for, for Christmas there for you and, and your family? <laughs> Well, we, we, we're talking uh, just uh, just a couple weeks before Christmas, and on uh, in about three days, the whole family we're all jumping on a plane in Washington, flying to LA, changing planes, and flying into Sydney. And uh, the whole whole family will be uh, down in uh, Australia with uh, our extended family. 
We're going to have a, a get-together at uh, the uh, Warunga Adventist Church where my grandparents went, my mother went, and, uh, I went as a child, and a picnic at Warunga Park, which is near there, and then a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, we, we're just going to have a great time. And, of course, our son has met his grandparents, but he doesn't quite have a concept that, that we're a family that has, has friends and family here in the U.S., but we also have friends and family in a whole different world down there. And I think yep. it's going to be fabulous for him. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that, I think he's going to love it. That's, that, that sounds really good. You, you'll you have to check out um, this month's Science uh, Magazine because um, apart from your article, which is I definitely would encourage uh, our listeners to, to check out, it's actually on online. It's called The, the Happiest uh, Place in, on Earth, I think. And, it is. That, that, and, and, and it's, about the, uh, it's about a place in Guangzhou. And if you want to know what the happiest place on earth is, Read the article. Check it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but we, we, we also have another article there called um, Upside Down Christmas, which is giving a few hints about how to have an authentic Aussie and Kiwi Christmas, you know, in, in the in the summary Christmas conditions there. So perhaps you, you should check that out, James, for a couple of hints about how, how to do it right once you get down here. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I'll, I'll check it out, man. <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks so much for your time, James. Re- really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, all the best for Christmas and the new year. And, and may God bless your, your little family there. Thanks so much, Ken. Same for yours, man. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit scienceofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.